covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as we are here for another week's worth of Brewers talk. Brewers wrapping up a West Coast road trip on Sunday. They went two and four on the road trip, but they do take two of three against the Dodgers. They get swept by the Angels, but they've won every series they played against National League opponents this year. Coming up this week, we've got a couple interviews. We are going to be joined by Kyle Lesneski, the managing editor over at Brew Crew Ball. He's going to join us for a social media conversation. That's just a few minutes away. And then later on in the podcast, when we go down on the farm, our first team broadcaster conversation of the year as we will start in the Midwest League at Low A and talk with Chris Marion, the broadcaster for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. And I'm guessing a lot of people who are listening to this right now maybe got a front row seat for the Timber Rattlers as they played a game this past week at Miller Park. As always, a couple of housekeeping items to take care of here at the top of the podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter at Matt Pauley on air. And uh, if you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and can leave a ranking and review, that'd be great. Also, subscribing to the podcast on uh, Apple Podcast is helpful as well. And we get some bonus stuff that we put in there, whether it's our uh, Brewers Weekly Show that uh, we do on WTMJ Radio, some of the interviews that we do from the Brewers Extra Innings uh, Post Game Show. So by subscribing, all that uh, extra content will come to you uh, right to your phone or wherever you happen to listen to a podcast on a uh, every day, every week, however you listen to podcast basis. As we open up the podcast this week, I just kind of want to mention the fact that this Brewers team is playing some pretty good baseball. I'm not saying they're a perfect team. I'm not saying they're the best team in baseball. I'm not saying that they're absolutely, without a doubt, 100% going to win the World Series this year. I don't think you can say that about any team. But I've just I've noticed, and look, this goes along with expectations, and I don't think any team should run away from expectations. The Brewers got to Game 7 of the NLCS last year, and... They have not said anything about taking a step back. Everything's been about taking that next step forward. Even their marketing campaigns have been about taking that next step forward. But I do find it interesting that sometimes the focus is more on who's not on the team than who is on the team. I'm not saying that a Craig Kimbrell wouldn't make the Brewers better. I'm not saying that a Dallas Keuchel wouldn't make the Brewers better. And I'm not saying that it's not out of the realm of possibility that one of those two guys may end up wearing a Brewers jersey before the season's over. Those guys are going to sign with somebody. The longer it goes, the more their price tag is going to uh, continue to uh, drop. And maybe at some point the Brewers uh, are the team that they eventually decide to to work out a deal with. I I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. I would say it's more unlikely than likely at this point, but unlikely things happen. I didn't think the Brewers would have the money to uh, spend on Yasmani Grandal, and they were able to get him to come in on a a one-year deal, and I think we're seeing the impact that Yasmani Grandal is having. So there's nothing wrong. And I'm not trying to tell you how to be a fan or anything. There's nothing wrong with wanting the team to be better. Uh, there's nothing wrong with thinking, hey, if this guy was here or this guy was there, think what this team could do. But I do also think that as the season is just underway, and we have certainly seen uh, the the, the man, management and ownership of this club with David Stearns and with uh, Mark Atanasio being more than willing to make moves if moves are needed, I think it's worth noting that this team has gone off to a pretty solid start and they're doing it with some guys so far who are not performing to the level that you would like them to perform. You know, Travis Shaw hitting 191, that's not what you want to see. Jesus Aguilar hitting 156. Uh, Ryan Braun struggled on this most recent road trip. His batting average isn't where you want it to be. Uh, Even a Mike Moustakis, who certainly has, has had his moments, and He's driven in some runs, and he's hit some home runs. Uh, from a batting average standpoint, 218 is not where you want to be. So there's there's guys on this team who I think we can all assume those numbers are going to turn around at some point in time. Maybe not all of them. You know, there's always going to be there's, – there's years in guys' careers where it's just a bad year. And maybe one of these guys is going to have a bad year. But I would guess the most of these guys, their numbers are going to start to turn around at some point in time. 
I don't know what the bullpen's going to look like, especially Jeremy Jeffers is going to return this upcoming week. That that changes things a bit, but what, what can we really expect out of Jeremy Jeffers? Going to talk about that a bit with uh, Kyle Lesneski when he joins us in uh, a few minutes. But the bullpen... When the Brewers are winning, I think we've seen some guys who can be trusted. Uh, obviously, Josh Hader. Junior Guerra is certainly in that category as well. But we've seen good moments from Alex Wilson. Wilson, his numbers aren't great really because of one single outing. You know, he's had more good outings than bad outings. Alex Claudio has been pretty good. Matt Albers has had some some pretty good moments as well. So, it's look, I'm not saying that they couldn't use another high-leverage arm. I'm not saying somebody like a Kimbrel or somebody that uh, you go acquire via trade wouldn't fit in really well inside of that bullpen, but I do think it's worth noting that the team has gotten off to a really good start. They've won all their series against National League opponents, and they've done it with this roster, with these guys, and pretty much everybody on the roster at some point in time has been able to contribute. Now, whether yeah, I get people saying all the time, I, I take phone calls on uh, on WTMJ. The Brewers can't win a World Series with this roster. That's, you don't know that. I don't know that. None of us really know that. It becomes such a such a crapshoot when you get to the World Series. But I think the one thing we can say is that this group, David Stearns, Mark Atanasio, Craig Council, as they continue through the year, they are going to do the things that they feel best position themselves to win and win at the highest level. All right, we got a lot to get to again in our interviews this week, Kyle Lesneski and Chris Marion. But right now, let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Jeremy Jeffers is going to be activated either Monday or Tuesday. He is going to rejoin the team on Monday, and uh, they will either activate him that day or wait one more day. He uh, made four rehab appearances at AAA San Antonio. His most recent appearance was Saturday night. He went one inning. He struck out two, gave up two hits, one of which was a home run. His numbers were not great. He allowed seven runs on nine hits. He gave up three home runs, struck out five in four and a third innings. Now, you take that with a grain of salt in the sense that it's kind of like spring training. Those things like looking at velocity and the type of contact and and things like that are are what you're more focused in on when you talk about type of contact obviously a number of home runs you're not that's not soft contact right there that's legit contact and you you just want you how you pitch at triple a almost in a spring training type environment does not always correlate to what it's going to look like when you get to the big leagues but at the same time, I don't think you can run away from those results. So the jury still may be a little bit out on Jeremy Jeffress. When those big lights turn on, we'll see what he's able to do and whether he's going to be activated coming up on Monday or Tuesday. A bit of a milestone this past week, Junior Guerra. He pitched out the uh, closed out the final two games on Saturday. Uh, six up, six down for Guerra. Josh Hader was unavailable on Saturday. Guerra ends up with the save. It was the first save of his career. So a guy who has filled so many different roles for the Brewers. Uh, mostly a starting pitcher, but at times a long relief kind of guy. Now he's more of a high-leverage arm out of the bullpen, and he goes and gets his first career save. So kind of cool right there. And the Brewers make a small move. They have received catcher David Freitas from the Seattle Mariners in exchange for minor league pitcher Sal Biasi. He goes right to the 40-man roster but goes to Triple A. To make room on the 40-man roster, they move Corey Knable to the 60-day injured list. He has played parts of three major league seasons, appeared in one game for the Mariners this season. So he's just a little bit of veteran major league insurance in case the Brewers uh, need it at the catching position. Obviously, they do have uh, Jacob Nottingham, but you can never have too much catching. It's like you never have too much pitching. You can never have too much catching, and it gives them just a little bit more insurance. All right, those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue on. It is our social media conversation, and we're once again happy to uh, bring on the managing editor over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. He is uh, Kyle Lesneski. Kyle, always great to talk to you. How are you? 
I'm doing really well. I uh, spent a good chunk of today watching Tiger Woods win his first Masters in 14 years. So uh, for me, growing up as as a guy whose first love was golf and who got into the game because of Tiger and his exploits in the early 2000s, uh, it was a it was a pretty pretty important day for me. It was uh, it was interesting. And I know this is Brewer stuff. We'll get to that in a second. But it was kind of I thought the. It was emotional when you watched him embrace, and CBS did a great job comparing it to his, uh, you know, when he hugged his dad when he won his first one and then showing the hugs of uh, of his kid. But it really was, whether you like Tiger or don't like Tiger, uh, it was certainly a very compelling moment today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you, like you mentioned, Tiger and his dad and, and going back and now Tiger and his kids, I... As somebody who grew up watching Tiger Woods and, and watching Tiger Woods with my dad and now, you know, having kids of my own and all that kind of stuff, you know, that, that moment was, was kind of powerful for me as well. So I can definitely kind of sympathize with what you're saying there. All right, let's get into uh, the Brewers. And I'll start with this because one of the things you are uh, most known for is uh, your your absolute <laughs> trust and appreciation of Junior Guerra. And he has once again kind of redefined himself, which is something he has done throughout his career and throughout his time with the Brewers, all of a sudden he's really become kind of the the second most reliable arm in the bullpen, second only Josh Hader. We saw him pick up his first career save on Saturday night with a couple uh, no-hit innings after Zach Davies had gone seven. It's kind of fun to watch what uh, Junior Guerra has turned into as a bullpen weapon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, coming coming into the regular season and throughout spring training, um, you could kind of tell that uh, the organization and and David Stern and Craig Council were um, were were specifically interested in what Junior Guerra could bring to the table in a, in a bullpen role. Um, there was various things that they said throughout spring training um, about his performances specifically and, and what they were hoping for out of him in that role. Um, and, it, and it seems pretty clear from from the beginning of the season that he was going to be um, one of the one of the guys that they gave the first opportunity to step into those those big sorts of situations with Corey Knebel and with Jeremy Jeffress, um, you know, both on the shelf. Although Jeffress is, is due back here in the next couple of days, um, but you know, he was he was the first reliever that they called out of the bullpen on opening day to to come in and take the lead after Alicia Seen, and um, he's you know nailed down a, a hold in just about every one of his outings so far. I think he's only pitched once when they've when they've been from behind or something like that. Um, but he certainly seems to has to have earned the trust of Craig Council right off the bat. He's been calling on him in, in some big situations and you know I think it was only a matter of time once we kind of saw how that early usage pattern was established um, that you know, there was going to be a game where, where Josh Hader wasn't going to be available, and, and it seemed pretty clear that uh, Junior Guerra was going to get that save opportunity at some point. And, uh, you know, he, he got it on uh, on Saturday, and he certainly ran with it. He looked he looked quite impressive out there. He's looked pretty impressive all year, um, mixing in that new curveball along with his split finger and his, his fastball getting up there 95, 96 miles an hour. He He's really looked like a weapon down there for, for Craig Council, and he's provided some important innings at a time when, um, a lot of other guys in the bullpen haven't haven't really been on their A game consistently. So he's been uh, he's been called upon to get some important outs, and he certainly hasn't disappointed to this point. It's pretty clear in the early going. There's a there's a high leverage group of relievers and a non high leverage group, and you can disagree with me, but to me it feels like the guys who are being given opportunities in tight games where the Brewers are winning, in addition to Hayter and Guerra, you have Alex Claudio, Alex Wilson has gotten some opportunities, Matt Albers as well. Those are kind of the guys who are getting those opportunities. When the Brewers have won, those guys that I've mentioned have done, for the most part, a pretty good job. Are you comfortable moving forward with those guys plus a Jeremy Jeffress as being that high-leverage group? Um, I mean, you know, I guess you can never a hundred percent say that you're, that you're comfortable with a group like that. Um, you know, I guess coming into the season last year, you really kind of looked at it as, as Corey Knable and Josh Hader, and then you were looking for somebody else to step up. So right now, I guess the, the way that things have kind of worked out is, is you've got Josh Hader and Junior Guerra stepped up. And now I guess you're kind of waiting for that other guy to consistently step up and, and be that, that 
third lockdown sort of pitcher in in the back end of the bullpen. And and we've seen a lot of positive stuff from Alex Wilson. He's changed his pitch mix a little since since joining the Brewers um, just before the beginning of the regular season. Um, but he's also had a had a pretty rough outing. And uh, there's been some inconsistencies from. Um, from Matt Albers as well, although he's he's had some some good moments and um, same same sort of thing with Alex Claudio. His bottom line numbers um, generally look pretty good, but uh, just based on the fact that his his profile is based more on inducing weak contact and relying on the defense, there's going to be a little bit more volatility there. Um, I, I will feel a lot better if if Jeremy Jeffers is able to come back and and able to be anything close to to the guy that he was last year. I, I think it would be um, I think it would be pretty tough to expect him to post another 1.29 ERA over the course of the regular season. Um, but if he can come in and be another uh, you know dynamic above average arm for the Brewers to have in, in the back of their bullpen, I think that would go a long way towards towards solidifying things and. Um, you'd look more at the guys like Wilson and, and Albers and Claudio to kind of get, get them through those middle innings and hopefully um, to turn the game over to, to the more high leverage guys at, at the end. Um, but I, I think if, if Jeremy Jeffers comes back and he isn't quite that guy, um, it's probably going to be asking a lot from the rest of that group to perform at, a, a strong level throughout the rest of the regular season. I, th- I think that um, that might be a, a place that they'd look to uh, look to make some additions throughout the course of the year. It's always a kind of a dicey situation. I feel like guys will have really, really good years, and that's that that can be a bit of an outlier. And then people expect them to be the exact same guy the next year. And I know Jeremy Jeffers, that doesn't completely, you know, he's had multiple good years. We've seen him, he, he was a closer for this team a number of years ago. Last couple of years have been good. But the, the numbers he put up and the way he put, uh, at, at times last year, he was as dominating of a relief pitcher that was walking around Major League Baseball. What what should the expectations be? He finished off a little slow at the end of the year and going into the postseason. His results haven't been great since he's been pitching at, at AAA on a rehab, but uh, those results don't matter so much. It's more about uh, the, the velocity and, and what kind of contact he's getting and, and things like that. But it just seems to me there's a lot of question marks right now about Jeremy Jeffress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, like, like you mentioned, um, it, it would be really difficult for Jeremy Jeffers to step in and live up to the the year that he put up last year. Uh, I believe that his 1.29 and run average was the second best season by a, a qualified reliever in franchise history. Um, so, you know, I, I think Jeremy Jeffers is a, is a, can be a really good relief pitcher, but I, I don't necessarily expect him to come in and do that. And I don't think that the, that the front office does either. Um, I, I would imagine that what they're hoping for is for him to come in and, and be a guy who can, you know, post a sub three earned run average, something like that, you know, something a little bit more, more realistic and um, provide some stability in the back end of the bullpen and, and help them convert those leads that, uh, that they're hoping that the offense can continue to put together in the early parts of games. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, there, there are a lot of question marks. He, he did certainly struggle in terms of bottom line run prevention down in the minor leagues. Uh, he uh, gave up a fair amount of home runs, I believe. And um, from what I've seen, the, the velocity wasn't at the 95 miles an hour plus that it was last year. Um, so, you know, I, I guess you, you don't really know exactly what you're going to be getting with Jeremy Jeffers until he comes out on the mound and in a big league game in Miller Park and, and does what he's going to do. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be the guy who can get away with throwing a 91, 93 mile an hour fastball, because that's, that's a pretty significant drop off from, from where he's been um, during his entire career with Milwaukee. So if, if that is the case, then, then it puts a lot more pressure on his ability to command the baseball and to hit his spots. And um, with power relief pitchers, that, generally isn't a strong suit because you can, you know, just kind of rely on your pure stuff to, to get swings and misses out of guys and, and try and blow guys away. And, you know, if you're topping out at 93 miles an hour, that's a lot tougher to do. So, 
Um, there, there should, I guess, be some concern about, about Jeremy Jefferson, what he's going to look like when he comes back. But, you know, like I said, you don't really know what you're going to get out of him until, until he comes out on the mound and, and he does it. Someone that can get away with a 91 mile per hour, per hour fastball is Zach Davies. And it's because of his location. It's because his changeup has been so good here in the early going. He was a question mark coming into the year. We didn't really know how much of his struggles last year was based off injury and how much of his struggles were who he is. I know it's just a handful of starts, three starts to start the season, but how impressed have you been with what Zach Davies has been able to do so far? Yeah, it's it's certainly encouraging to come out and see him get out to a strong start, uh, especially because the, the bugaboo with him throughout his career has been that he's a guy who's sort of a notorious slow starter in the early parts of the season. Um, but he's really, really come out of the gates sharp, and, and especially um, as the Brewers have needed him to with the way that the rest of the pitchers have kind of struggled in the in the rotation to begin the year. Um you know, Davies is an, is an interesting guy. He's the same age as Brandon Woodruff, 26 years old, and yet, you know, we're constantly talking about Woodruff as one of these, you know, young trio of starting pitchers that the Brewers have. But, you know, we don't really think of Zach Davies in that same sort of way just because he's already, you know, a three-year veteran in the league. Um, but his his first two full seasons in Milwaukee were were pretty excellent if you if you look back on it you know a sub two or a sub uh, four ERA in both of those years um, worked at least 175 innings in both of them uh, he's been a guy who's been able to eat innings for the Brewers in the past with some quality results and uh, he got off to a slow start last year that was certainly compounded by the injuries he ended up missing for the most part of the regular season. Um, but if you do remember, he, he was able to come back in September. He made a handful of starts down the stretch and, and worked to uh, right around his career average, like a 3.8 ERA in, in 20, 25 innings or so in September. That helped the Brewers get into the playoffs. So he, he was a guy who had a little bit of positive momentum coming into this regular season. And, you know, he's, he's certainly built off that so far. And, you know, as we kind of move forward here and we start thinking about, you know, hey, maybe Jimmy Nelson is on the way back and, you know, they're probably going to want a spot for him in the rotation and this and that. And it, it certainly doesn't look like Zach Davies is going to be one of those guys that's in jeopardy of losing his spot. That's for sure. It's been interesting with Corbin Burns because – the Brewers are, are never really an organization that give a lot away. And last year when he came up, they were they were so clear in saying, he's a starter. We're going to have him in the bullpen for the rest of this year, but he's a starter. He's going to be a starter. And then as he has struggled a bit with the home run ball this year, they continue to say, he's taking the ball the next time out. He's taking the ball the next time out. Now, I think we're three starts in things can turn around very quickly if we're still talking about him not getting out of the fifth inning and him giving up three home runs every time out a month from now his spot in the rotation is probably more tenuous than it is right now but at what point in time I guess the question is what's your take on Corbin Burns right now at what point do you consider making a move there if there is a move is it getting him to AAA to keep him as a starter like just give me your take on Corbin Burns as it sits right now yeah, boy, Corbin Burns is, is is a little bit of a difficult one. I mean, I, I think you would agree that he's probably the most hyped of those three young pitchers that the that the Brewers started with their yeah. um, within the starting rotation this year, and uh, he's certainly the guy that that most people seem to have been most excited about. And um, you know, he came out right off the bat and and struck out twelve batters in his first in his first game this year. Uh, he's a guy who clearly has some pretty impressive swing in this stuff, um, but. Just like with with Brandon Woodruff and with Freddie Peralta, we've seen some of the inconsistencies that I guess you should probably expect from a young starter who's who's going through his first regular season in a major league rotation. Um, you know, I kind of touched on this in an article a little bit earlier that uh, you know th- this isn't something I guess that we shouldn't have been surprised by that that these guys were going to come out and and Burns was going to come out and, and maybe have some struggles right off the bat um, if you just look at this organization's history of developing starting pitchers even the guys like Jimmy Nelson and and going back even to Ben sheets who who have turned us into some you know 
above average starting pitchers for, for the organization, or at least have turned in some strong seasons. Uh, it, it took them a little bit of time to, to really figure it out at the major league level. And that's, you know, multiple seasons of, of pitching in a major league starting rotation. So I think it would be a lot to ask for all these guys to just kind of step in right away and, and be effective major league starting pitchers. But the difficulty of the situation is that the the Brewers didn't really insulate themselves against all three of those guys struggling at the same time. They didn't really make much of an effort to shore up their outside depth in the off season. They didn't really do a whole lot to raise the floor of their of their starting rotation. There there were a lot of low cost moves out there that they could have made. They could have made more of an effort to try and retain Wade Miley, who who signed a four and a half million dollar deal with Houston. They could have picked up the contract option for Jordan Lyles, who ended up signing for a couple of million in Pittsburgh and and has looked like uh, maybe he's he's on his way to that breakout that uh, you know has has kind of been long awaited for his career. Uh, they could have you know maybe given a major league offer to Gio Gonzalez, who ended up signing on a minor league deal with the Yankees and has uh, looked pretty good his last couple of starts in AAA and looks like he's going to be joining their major league rotation at some point pretty soon. Um, but they didn't. They they wanted to give these guys the space to either fail at the major league level or to begin to make those adjustments and succeed. So um, going forward, I, I think that the only real option that they have with, with Burns and Peralta and, and Woodruff is to continue to be patient. And even if they wanted to make a move by putting somebody like Chase Anderson in the rotation, who, who's been pitching out of the bullpen now for the last several weeks, he's not somebody who's probably going to be prepared to just kind of jump in right away with, with big pitch counts and all that kind of stuff and work deep in the ball games. Um, and they don't really have much in the way of proven depth in the minor leagues that, you know, uh, would you rather call up a guy like Adrian Hauser or Aaron Wilkerson, who's on the 40 man roster to come up and, and start making those starts. I, I don't know that you can really immediately say that that's going to be an improvement over, over what you've got and um, what it's worth to continue giving those guys the chance to run out there every fifth day. So, like I said, at, at this point, the, the only option they really have is to, to continue to be patient. One jump over to uh, some of the position player stuff. We've talked a lot about pitching here so far. Uh, as, as somebody who didn't watch Yasmani Grandal on an everyday basis with the Dodgers, and then you know we saw what he did in the postseason last year, and clearly it wasn't fair to uh, judge him from a defensive standpoint on on what he did there. But even saying that, even for somebody who could accept the fact that he's a lot better of a player defensively than what he showed in the NLCS last year. It's hard to imagine the kind of defensive impact a guy can have by framing pitches and stealing strikes, and then you add what he's doing with the bat, hitting you know close to 400, hitting for power. Talk about a guy who's making a huge impact on this team. It's been really fun to see how he's been able to uh, impact this team, both from a defensive and from a hitting standpoint. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right off the bat, that signing seems, seems like it's going to become a a pretty big win for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, it took a little bit for his bat to get going, but now he's he's showing that power stroke that he kind of became known for from from behind the plate, which you know is a big reason why why he's so valuable. It's it's really difficult to find that level of offense from the catching position these days. And uh, he he had a really hot week this week on the road trip in Los Angeles at multiple home runs and um, even got into the cleanup spot in one of the games. And I, I certainly think that going forward that. Uh, the Brewers are going to continue to look for him as um, sort of an anchor offensively in the lineup. But uh, even bigger than that, and as you said, the the framing pitches, the the job that he's done has has just been outstanding. I mean, you you can pick out multiple pitches in every game that that he's that he's playing, and that's like it, it, a lot of other guys that that wouldn't be a strike. I mean, especially in in Zach Davies' start yesterday, the way that Zach Davies works the corner of the or the corners of the strike zone, when you combine that with with um, Brunhell's ability to to kind of make a pitch look like a strike when it otherwise wouldn't be, um, that that kind of stuff is is really fun for me to watch. Uh, it's just it's just been great to see um, Grandal's just so good at, at that you know kind of quick 
stab and, and catching it and, and just moving it right to the corner of the zone. And I mean, there, there's just, like I said, every game you can pick out multiple pitches. It's like, man, that, that guy's getting strikes for his pitcher. And that pitch was a strike because of Yasmani Grandal. Um, let me, Jesus Aguilar and Travis Shaw are, have gone off to slow starts. We're still really early in the season. I use the term small sample size a lot. I know people who listen to me very regularly get sick of hearing me talking about small sample size, but we are we're moving towards a point where guys who are really struggling, it's starting to become a legit thing. Of those two guys, are you, are you concerned with either one of them yet? Um, I guess I'm not so much concerned with Aguilar, um, as it just seems like he's generally putting together some some pretty quality at bats. Uh, there's been a handful of, of times when he's been up to the plate and he's just you know hit one on the screws and it and it happens to be you know kind of right at a guy, um, sort of suffering from that uh, that that Ryan Braun malady that that he went through all last season, where it just seemed like every time he would he would hit one off the nose, it it was right at somebody, and he's just waiting to run into a little bit better luck. And um, you know he did. He did have a double today, so hopefully that'll be uh, that'll be the start of something something sort of hot streak going on in conjunction with his uh, uh, go ahead hit from from earlier in the weekend. So, but uh, in the case of Travis Shaw, I guess maybe there's a, a little bit more concern. Um, he he also had uh, had a base hit today, so hopefully things are trending in the right direction. But um, after getting hit in the pitch or hit, getting hit in the same hand with with two different pitches uh, so close together, um, you know you got to kind of wonder how that's feeling and how that's kind of affecting his game, um, especially after he struggled so much with that wrist injury in the early part of last season. Um, it just doesn't seem like he's seen the ball um, as as well as Jesus Aguilar maybe. Um, there's been just you know a lot of bad looking swings and Travis Shaw certainly has established himself as as a professional hitter over his last few seasons with Milwaukee and um, I I don't doubt that he will get it going at some point um, but you just you know kind of hope to start seeing a little bit better of a, of a bat strung together from him here in the next couple of games. All right, I'll, I'll finish you off with this. We can't have a conversation without mentioning uh, these two individuals who are still out there. Uh, if you believe the baseball insiders out there, Craig Kimbrell, his asking price has gone down maybe three years, 50 or so million, sounds like, maybe even less than that. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, it appears, might be willing to take uh, a one-year deal. At what point in time do the Brewers maybe get back in on, on one of these two guys, or do you think they should? Well, I guess if you if you read between the lines on on what Mark Antonazio's kind of been saying, um, you know, it doesn't sound like they're out on either guy, and they're they're continuing to, to maybe keep in contact with both of them. Uh, there was another report from from John Morosi over the weekend that uh, indicated that the Brewers were, you know, along with the Padres, maybe a team to watch in the in the Dallas Keuchel market. Um, and every time Antonazio was asked about Craig Kimbrell, he just, you know, he said Craig Kimbrell would be a great addition to any bullpen, including Milwaukee. So, um, you know, I, I think as those guys are, are continuing out there uh, or continuing to sit out there, that an opportunistic, an opportunistic general manager like David Stearns is going to continue to be in contact with their representatives kind of bounce ideas off them, see what they're, see what they're amenable to and, you know, kind of, See, see if there's an opportunity for the Brewers to to get uh, get a deal that makes sense more so for them maybe than it than it will for the player. Um, if Dallas Keuchel is willing to come and sign on a one year deal, I think that 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 could be a pretty good addition for the Brewers, considering the sort of uncertainty that they've got in their starting rotation right now. And uh, if you can get him into the organization, uh, let him get warmed up in the minor leagues a little bit, and continue to maybe give these guys in the in the starting rotation uh, another few starts. Um, once Keuchel's ready, then you can see see where somebody like Corbin Burns is at. And if he's still having those issues, you know that he was a dynamic arm for the team out of the bullpen last year. And um, you can maybe backslide him into a spot like that and know that that area of your team is going to be solidified as well as, you know, maybe boosting what you're going to get out of your starting rotation. So there's, there's any number of possibilities what the, what the team could do as long as both of those guys are still sitting out there. Um, but unless it's unless it's a, a really team friendly deal, I I guess it's it's hard to 
imagine at this point that the Brewers are, are going to end up with either one of those two guys. Take me through. Uh, you you guys are just pumping out so much content on an everyday basis right now at uh, Brew Crew Ball. But uh, take listeners through what they can uh, expect to uh, see uh, right now with what you guys have going on. Well, we're going to um, be starting a new series with the Cardinals tomorrow as the Brewers return to Miller Park. So um, you'll have to be sure to check out our writer, James, always does the series previews for, for each um new team that comes to town. Uh, we continue to cover the minor leagues. Uh, Brad Ford is, is one of the best in the business, but he'll be out on vacation this week, so I'll be filling in and, and doing some of that minor league stuff for him. Um, and, of course, you know, as, as we go throughout the regular season, uh, we'll always be posting different sorts of statistical analysis posts and, and getting different perspectives from, from different people on, on how the team are playing and, and what things look like going forward. Brad's taking a vacation in the middle of the baseball season. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it caught me off guard as well. You know, there's there's nobody as dedicated to the minor leagues as, as Brad Ford, but you know everybody deserves the chance to to step away for a little bit. And sounds like him and his wife have have a lot of uh, fun stuff planned and on their trip. So you know, more power to them. I guess get away from this uh, get away from this snow in Wisconsin if you're lucky. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Kyle, great stuff as always. Appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again here in the uh, next month or so. All right, sounds great. Always always appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Inch, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for our Down on the Farm segment. And for the first time this year, very happy to welcome in the broadcaster for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the Midwest League affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. It is Chris Marion. Chris, it's always great to talk to you. How are you doing? Um, still falling out from today, Matt, but uh, getting... You know, team's been fun to watch so far this season. Yeah, let me ask you this, because uh, Saturday, Sunday, hosting games in Appleton, uh, talk about the job that the grounds crew and everybody at the stadium had to do to be able to get those games in. It was amazing. Um, I got uh, I got pictures on Thursday and Friday uh, when the snow hit, and it just was, I'm like, oh, how are we going to play on Saturday? And uh, some people stayed behind on Friday instead of coming to Miller Park uh, to get some stuff done. Uh, our our general manager and assistant general manager and a bunch of other people were squeegeeing off the tarp on Friday before coming down to Miller Park. And then Saturday, everybody got in there at 9.15, and the entire outfield was still covered with snow. And by, you know, 2 o'clock, it was all gone. Hmm. And uh, I felt guilty because I'm just sitting there uh, doing my game notes and doing my stuff and watching them all work hard and you know all I got out of it was a chance to go in and get the pizza that they ordered for lunch so but yeah the the Crowns crew did a great job um, front office um, if there is ever a chance to get a game in we are going to play it up at, at our ballpark it's going to take uh, a lot to, to make us call a game early it's pretty cool I mean for folks who haven't worked in minor league baseball, long hours, just, I mean, it's it's a grind. The grind doesn't even start to describe it. And it does say something about your guys' organization that you did work so hard where I think, Chris, probably we can agree, many, many, many organizations probably would have just said, okay, we're going to, we'll postpone this and make this thing up later on in the year. Yeah, and, th- and that's true. Um, but the-, the main thing is, it's not just trying to get the games in, um, just because, hey, we're-, we're tough and we can show that we can play these games when it's, when it's 28 degrees outside and just a-, a miserable experience for everybody. It's also for, you know, the players, because if you start canceling games or postponing games, you're going to have to make them up down the line and you're going to have to make them up uh, with a lot in a row, probably. And, and as much as everybody uh, doesn't like playing in this kind of weather, uh, they really don't like playing double headers. So um, even if they are just seven innings in the minor leagues, um, just getting them in is, is the main thing. And uh, I'm, I'm just glad I work for an organization that, that takes that approach. Before those two games, and you made reference to it, uh, the team played at Miller Park on Friday night. An 8-3 loss to Quad Cities. The organization, the team has played a number of games at Miller Park uh, over the years. 
just uh, this goes back to what is such a great relationship between the Brewers and the Timber Rattlers. But uh, what does it mean for the organization to get the opportunities to, uh, to when they do come around to be able to play a game at Miller Park? I'll tell you, the, the guys love it. The, the the players. I mean, we haven't played there since 2015, so it's been a while since we've been there. But every time we go there, um, get, the experience is top notch from the Brewers. Um, the the team we get in there at noon for a seven o'clock game. Uh, they they get food. They, you know, they get to eat lunch uh, that's prepared there in the in the dining room in the visitor clubhouse. There's a meeting, a tour. Uh, work out in the batting cage, take batting practice on the field, grounders. Um, they get their, you know, they get their player intro video and their their walk up music played in the stadium. And uh, you know, as you probably know too, Matt, from doing minor league games and trying to get your game story done when you're on the road and get it posted and all that stuff. Um, usually, it's a rush to get to the bus, and you're always like one of the last three people on the bus. Um, I was like the first person on the bus after the game on Friday night because everybody was still back in the visitor clubhouse soaking it all in. So it's just, it's just, uh, it's a great experience. Um, because I think, you know, the majority of these guys are not going to play in, in a major league stadium again. Um, and this is probably going to be their only experience, but, uh, what an experience it is. What was the, uh, fan response and the fan reaction like there? Um, the, the fans, uh, I mean, it, it wasn't a big crowd, but it was, uh, it was an enthusiastic crowd. Um, it was a little cool in there. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody that, I mean, Quad Cities brought a bus over from Davenport. Uh, we brought a bus down from, from Appleton. A lot of people, uh, that were down in, you know, down in Southeastern Wisconsin made it to the ballpark and just enjoyed the game and, and got a chance to, uh, you know, it's $10 or $15 for, it was $15 for a seat right behind the dugout. So, I mean, you can't beat that. And, and everybody really enjoyed that. The only thing that went wrong was the score. Um, it kind of got away from the Rattlers there in in the later innings and, uh, it, it, but still, you know, I, I think it was just everybody had a lot of good, a lot of good times. Seems that like when we look at this team a little bit, and we'll talk a lot about the team as we have our conversations throughout the course of the year. Seems like almost in every other year, sort of thing, when the Timber Rattlers are, are filled with prospects, and I think they're, I think this is a really interesting team with a lot of interesting guys, and uh, obviously Bryce Terang is the name that a lot of people will uh, jump to when they look at the roster, and we'll talk about him in a moment. But from a from an overall standpoint, there's a lot of interesting guys on this roster, right? Yeah, there really are. I mean, we've got a nice mix of uh, of young kids that are really in their first uh, full season. Uh, we've got some guys that were from the draft last year. We have some returning players. Um, and we've got some guys that are really new to the organization. Um, Adam Hill is just new from the from the Mets this year in the Keon Boxton trade from January. And uh, he pitched in relief today. wasn't as sharp as he was in his start last Monday in Peoria, but uh, I'll tell you, I think the Brewers got a pretty nice deal from him. Um, we've seen Jason Coca uh, coming over from the Red Sox uh, in the in the Tyler Tharnberg trade. I mean, that Tyler Tharnberg trade <laughs> is still paying dividends, which is amazing after a couple of years. And and he made some great plays defensively. He had a four hit game the other day down in Peoria. Um, you know, he can play second, third, short, um, you, David Fry, uh, Southland conference player of the year last year. He was a seventh round pick of the Brewers, uh, just was, um, just, you know, he, he had 12 home runs in the pioneer league. He's got a couple of home runs already he had a big hit on Sunday for the Rattlers for a couple of runs scoring early. Um, and I, I think Rattler fans and, and Brewer fans are really going to like, uh, what they see when, when they get up to Wisconsin and it's not just a one prospect kind of team. You mentioned Jason Coca, and he's he was the throw-in player, the player to be named later in in the uh, Tyler Thornburg trade, which uh, most notably brought in Travis Shaw, but a number of other players as well. Really, it's 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 as one-sided of a trade as you're going to really see uh, in baseball. But he's gone off to a nice start, as you alluded to, in his ten games. He's got uh, a three ten average. Um, it's what what have you seen from him, and what should fans know about this guy? Um, he he's putting the ball in play. I mean, he's not a big kid. He's, uh, obviously they're hoping that he's going to put on some, uh, some muscle at some point. Uh, but 
he's just done really well uh, putting the ball in play, which sometimes is a problem uh, when it's 30 degrees out and the players from the Dominican Republic or from Puerto Rico or Venezuela or wherever. Um, but the, and I, I think I mentioned the defense too. I mean, he's played, uh, he's mainly been at second base, but he can play short. He can play third. He's got a good arm. Um, and he's going to develop too. I, I know he had a decent season last year at Helena. Um, and just the development level, he's still only 19. He doesn't turn 20 in t- for another month yet. So, I mean, still very young and uh, looking to take a couple of steps forward. How tough is it for those young guys to play in the Midwest League? Uh, I'll give you an example from Saturday. Uh, Pablo, uh, excuse me, uh, Jesus Lujano was playing center field in the first inning. And he had his, uh, he's a, he's a left-hand, uh, thrower, left-hand hitter. Um, there was a line drive to center field and he was running in and I noticed he had his left hand still in his hip pocket and he ran in and he made the catch with his glove, uh, but kept the throwing hand in the pocket and ran all the way into the dugout like that. Um, so he was cold, obviously. So, um, they haven't played like that. Uh, they haven't played mother like this, uh, very much, but, uh, you know, later in the game, like in the very next inning, there was another ball hit to him and he made, he didn't have his hand in the pocket. So I think somebody had to talk to him. So, um, but yeah, I mean, but Jim Henderson, who's our pitching coach, uh, made a point that I think I've made and Matt Erickson has made and every manager and coach that's come through Wisconsin has made they they all you know they they hear the complaints of the guys playing in cold weather but everybody points out hey it's cold in Minnesota it's cold in Chicago it's cold in Cleveland it's cold in Detroit this time of year so I mean just because Miller Park has a roof doesn't mean you're not going to play some cold weather games at like Wrigley Field or or Target Field or someplace down the line so I mean, this is this is part of the development where they have to learn to play in weather like this. It's cold in September and October as well, and if those the those guys really want to get to where they want to get to, they'll be playing in those months as well. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I think it's a good experience. All right, let's get to uh, Bryce Terang, who's one of the top prospects of the organization. His number's okay so far. I always say it's, it's so tough in the early going in the Midwest League, and it's so tough when these guys are getting their uh, first taste of full-season baseball. So when we're talking here uh, on April 14th, I, I take numbers with a grain of salt. But uh, Bryce Terang, 200 average here through, uh, through the start of his season. What's, what have you noticed about him, though, here in the early going? Um, he is not afraid to take the ball the other way. He's hit some hard balls to the left side. He just had his first extra base hit today for a double, knocked in a run. Um, he is uh, he made one of the most outstanding defensive plays at shortstop I've seen in a long time here in the Midwest League too. And on top of that, he will draw walks. He has uh, he is getting on base. I, I'm not seeing his on base. I don't. I can't call up his on base percentage right now in front of me. But uh, I mean, he's he's drawn quite a few walks and he's getting on base that way, um, putting the ball in play a lot. And uh, he's such an advanced hitter for his age that uh, you can see why the Brewers moved him from the Arizona League to the to the Pioneer League as quickly as they did last year. And now he's, you know, he's he's a young kid here in the, in the Midwest League trying to uh, trying to get on track. And I think he's not really off track. Um, just uh, he's ha- ran into some bad luck with some good contact that's wound up going at guys. But uh, he had a ball at Miller Park that was uh, pretty well hit, but it wound up just being a sacrifice fly. So it's it's really fun to to just watch him take batting practice and go about his day. Clearly early on in the season, but I kind of have to chuckle because two of the top three hitters are, are catchers and David Fry and, and Brent Diaz. I think Fry's played some other positions as well, if I've got that correct. Tell me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, when you look at what the Timber Rattlers have had uh, with Peyton Henry last year, Mario Feliciano the year before, it, it's no surprise to see catchers uh, continuing to do big things for the Timber Rattlers. Yeah, Kyle Loebner and I have uh, have have discussed this uh, in in length uh, right around the All Star break every year because going back even to uh, Carlos Leal um, uh, back a couple of years ago, the Rattlers have had a a catcher make the All Star game just I think it's three years in a row now. So 
Um, with Fry and Diaz, I think that streak has a pretty good chance of continuing if, if they're both still here through June. Hmm. Good stuff. Let's uh, jump over to the uh, pitching side of things. And uh, some of the people that are some of the individuals that I know Brewers fans are excited about. We'll start with uh, Drew Rasmussen. He hasn't pitched a lot yet, just uh, one game, doesn't give up a run. Uh, what have you seen in the very limited uh, exposure so far for Rasmussen? Well, uh, we, he pitched uh, the first two innings at Miller Park. It was his first appearance in a game since the College World Series in 2017. Um, he had really good velocity, but the uh, radar guns weren't working, so I don't know exactly what it was. But uh, as we talked about uh, after the game and, and a little bit today, he um, the, the glove was popping pretty good, and you could hear it all the way up at the press level, um, which, which is really nice. Um, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the only appearance he'll have with Wisconsin this year. Um, so you maybe have to ask Greg down in Carolina what he sees as he develops because uh, he's, he just came in, pitched for the Rattlers, and, and uh, didn't come back up to Appleton. So uh, breaking a little news, he's probably going to be in Carolina and making his next start this week sometime or next appearance this week sometime. All right, good stuff there, and, and good for him. I know there's a lot of excitement about what he's going to be able to do as he moves up. Uh, Aaron Ashby's had uh, a good start, a good appearance and a not-so-good appearance. His first time out went five and a third innings, giving up two runs on four hits, uh, and then the most recent time out, uh, he goes and he struggles a little bit, uh, three and two-thirds innings, gives up seven runs, five earned on seven hits. That was, I think that was the Miller Park game, if I've got that correct uh yeah. i just I, I see so much on social media here's another guy he's got great bloodlines clearly and uh, he's somebody that despite that appearance uh is is another individual that brewers fans are excited about yeah i mean we were shocked that he came back to us to start the year this year we had all thought that he had done enough to go up to carolina um to start the year but, uh, you know, the, the Carolina team, it seems like they're pretty packed, too. I mean, and, and it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's great that the Brewers uh, are so deep in pitching right now where uh, the number nine prospect in the organization is going to start the year here in Wisconsin. And, and Aaron's first start was against Cedar Rapids. It was on a Sunday. Um, he went really well through five innings, but he kind of hit a wall in the sixth inning. Um, plus, it was starting to rain pretty hard, um, and that kind of messed with him. And then Quad Cities, um, you know, they're the Astros. They've got a pretty aggressive approach. They were jumping on a lot of first pitches against Aaron, and, and they knocked him around pretty good um, when they scored, uh, when, they, when they pulled away with, uh, I think it was five runs in the, in the sixth inning or something like that. So, I mean, it was a 2-2 game until that point. And he, uh, you know, I, 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 I thought his stuff was good, but they just got at, got at him early in counts. So he'll be pitching again this week while the team is on the road. And, and I'm knowing Aaron, he probably forgot about that, that outing. Like by the time we got on the bus and on the way home uh, on Friday night. So he'll be ready to go and, and show fans what he can do. You mentioned Adam Hill, and he came over in the uh, in the off season, and uh, he's had two appearances so far. His numbers are, for the most part, pretty good: one and 2.45 ERA. As someone new to the organization that maybe fans aren't real familiar with, what's his profile? What have you seen from him? Um, well, he was the twenty first. He was the twenty first prospect in the Mets organization at the time of the trade. Um, he's now the like 29th, uh, prospect in the Brewers organization. He's a big, tall kid, good velocity today. It was like 92, 93, um, decent stuff. Um, he's a college pitcher. He was at the university of South Carolina, um, pitched the New York Penn league last year. And, uh, just, just a competitive kid. He's going out there. And I, I mean, he went, uh, it was, uh, Five scoreless his first time out in Peoria against a team that that has some pretty good hitters on it. Um, today, a um, little sloppy late in the ball game, gave up a couple of runs, uh, just walked a, a few too many guys and, and got hurt with it. But um, you know he's still working along, and uh, I think I think 
it's going to be a fun season watching him develop too. It seems like to me, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it seems like to me every year with the Timber Rattlers, there's a pitcher who maybe is not on that, you know, the top 30 prospect list who puts up big numbers and whether it's the midseason redo of the list or the next year, all of a sudden works their way on that list and kind of opens up some eyes during their year in the Midwest League. I know it's really early and this probably isn't a fair question to ask of you, but is there anybody that you've seen so far right now that you've been maybe so impressed with that you're going, you know, this this guy could be special and he's not one of those names that uh, Brewers fans would be especially familiar with? Uh, I, I think there are two and they're both in the same tandem right now. Um, Max Lazar is one and the other is Reese Olsen. Um, Reese Olsen looks like he's about, I don't know, 14 years old right now, but he's throwing 94 495 with a really nice delivery. Um, he uh, he took a loss the other day against Quad Cities, but uh, it was it was it was Saturday and it was it was a tough day to, to pitch for everybody that day. But uh, he is he really impressed a lot of people in uh, spring training, and he was one of the rare high school pitchers that uh, decided or that the Brewers saw in the Arizona League and they actually jumped him over uh, the Pioneer League. They just sent him to uh, full season balls. So, I mean, if the Brewers see something in Reese Olsen, and I, and I think Brewer fans are going to see something in him too. And Max, uh, Max Lazar uh, just already, uh, what is it, 12 strikeouts in 10 innings this year. He's only blocked a couple of guys. Um, just really really well well he he's a little younger and uh he's going to develop as well as, as far as he maybe starts putting on some muscle and maybe adding a little bit more velocity but uh he had a decent season last year in helena and uh looking to bring it forward here in wisconsin this year one of the really cool things for Brewers fans when it comes to the Timber Rattlers is all the extra coverage that you guys do. In addition to the radio broadcast, uh, you have your, your podcast that you do with uh, Kyle Loebner. You've got everything that you put up on the blog and so forth. For folks who want to follow along with the Timber Rattlers, go through all the different things that you guys have uh, going on. <laughs> um, let's see. I am. Uh, we have the, the blog is rattlerradio.mlblogs.com. Um, we'll throw a post up every day for uh, game notes. After home games, uh, we will mainly do the uh, we'll do a post game podcast, Kyle Loebner and I, and you can listen to all of the old podcasts if you feel like it um, on the, the Rattler Radio SoundCloud page. I also have some interviews that I did at spring training. I did one with Tom Flanagan after I got a tour of the new uh, new uh, facility down there and the, the renovations down there. There's one with Matt Erickson. There's another with Dave Joppe, who is the Rattlers hitting coach this year. Um, the, the Rattler Radio YouTube channel is Timber Rattler TV. They do a bunch of stuff on there, that, uh, that uh, including every home game highlights they'll put up. Um, so the highlights of Sunday games or Sunday's game are already on there. Um, we have uh, Instagram, WI Timber Rattlers. Uh, they did a great story the other day. I wish they would have saved it of the uh, – grounds crew clearing the snow on saturday uh before the game and uh you know on twitter i'm at c Maring and the timber rattlers are at timber rattlers awesome uh what's some of the uh promotional items that are going to be uh, promotional items giveaways events all the all the promotions what are some of the big ones that are going to be coming up here over the next uh couple two three weeks well, this is our 25th anniversary season, and uh, coming up on the 28th, we're going to be giving away a bobblehead of Fang, our mascot, as he appeared in 1995. Uh, coming up uh, sometime this week, we're going to be announcing our our Wisconsin Brats uh, jerseys this year. We're going to be mm-hmm. back for Brattoberfest again this year, and I think uh, we did the Brats uh, last year with the jerseys. We got a little different look this year. And uh, there's going to be some new merchandise in the store. Uh, the Rattlers are also going to be taking part in the uh, Copa de Diversion this year, where we're going to change our name to Los Cascabellas for three games and wear some uh, really neat jerseys. There's some great merchandise in the team store, too, to celebrate the uh, Hispanic heritage of uh, minor league baseball. And, uh, you know, we've got bobbleheads, uh, drink specials, fireworks, lots of giveaways, and, and lots of great fun plan for our 25th anniversary season Matt. I'm on the website right now I see the logo for the uh, Cos- uh, Coscabellas. That's that's really cool. That's a really cool look. 
Yeah, we uh, we put a little work into it. We've uh, you know we're part of. Uh, we wanted to do it last year. We got in a little bit late, but this year we're in on it. And uh, the the merchandise in there and and the jerseys are just outstanding. I think the guys are really looking forward to wearing them. All right, follow him on Twitter at C Marion. He is Chris Marion, the uh, radio broadcaster for the Wisconsin Timberettlers. Chris, it's always good to talk to you, and uh, we'll do this again here in uh, a month or so. All right, sounds great, Matt. Thanks for having me today. Chris Marion joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Looking ahead to what's going to be going on this upcoming week for the Brewers. They're going to play a bunch of games. They do not have another off day until next Thursday. That is Thursday, April 25th. They see the Cardinals again, a three-game set against St. Louis going Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Monday and Tuesday starting at 6.40 and then Wednesday going to be a 12.40 in the afternoon start. And then the Dodgers come in again. They're going to get all their games against the Dodgers out of the way here in the first month of the season. They'll have a four-game Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series against the Dodgers. Should be noted as uh, it is Bucks playoff time right now. Uh, if you listen to Brewers games on WTMJ Radio, if you tune in and you hear a Bucks playoff game, that means uh, that it's a conflict game, and you can hear the uh, Brewers over on our sister station, 94.5 ESPN-FM. So 94.5 ESPN-FM is where the Brewers will be bumped to when there are Bucks playoff games. Just keep that in the back of your mind as you maybe try to find Brewers games moving forward. That's going to do it for our podcast this week. Do want to say thank you to our guest, Kyle Lesneski from Brew Crew Ball, Chris Marin from Timber Rattlers. We'll talk to you next week for another edition. It's Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.